Today on Abounding Grace from Pastor Ed Taylor. You might be more interested in the stars than you're interested in the love of God, but that's not how God laid it out. You might be more interested in things that are taking your time and attention, again, away from the what, what's really, like when you are a master in the love of God, you will grow in your love for God and you'll grow in your love for others. It'll be natural. You won't need to take classes on evangelism because you'll just be talking to people about the Lord. You won't be taking classes on how to engage with people because you'll just be loving God so much that he's going to be leading you and guiding you by his Holy Spirit. You'll be involved in things you never thought you'd be involved in. You'll be going to places you never thought you'd be going to. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Welcome once again to Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is our Bible teacher, and he's just getting a study of Genesis underway. We'll be talking about the six literal days of creation, and we're on day four. God created everything from you and me, the animals, sea, light, universe, even the stars. Knowing where we came from and why we're here is important, and you're about to see why. Take your Bibles, would you open them to the book of Genesis chapter 1. We're going to pick up where we left off last time in verse 13, and we're in part 2 of a Bible study I've entitled Six Days or Six Literal Days of Creation. You know, the Bible teaches very clearly that the earth and the heavens were created by God, by Almighty God. From Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The emphasis of the Bible, not just Genesis, not just Exodus, not just the Old Testament, not just the emphasis of the Bible is on God, the triune one who existed before the universe. We know that God is behind everything. The universe and all created things are not eternal, did not just happen, didn't just pop up with a bang or by chance. And it's important in our culture of unknowns, in our culture of complexities, it seems like things are getting more complex. It's important for us in our culture filled with humanistic theories replacing God. It's important that you know where you came from. It's important we know our origin, our identity. Otherwise, we will adopt an identity is not from the Lord, not from God. We'll adopt a lifestyle, an identity, you know, and identities are a dime a dozen. There's always someone to offer you an identity to follow, a teaching to follow, a, a, a purpose. You know, when you think of identity, think of purpose. Because your purpose is derived from who you are, how God created you. And as things get more complex, I believe, and I'm finding, I'm wanting to practice this in my own life, as the world around me gets more complex, I want to live a more simple life. I look to simplify, simplify my thinking, simplify my faith, simplify my life. I want to live lighter in this world. 
I don't want to get caught up in all the complexities. I don't want to get caught up in all the theories. I don't want to spend my life living in theory when I can spend my life living in reality. But it's harder, isn't it? It's harder to live in reality. It's easier to talk about things and study things. And it's easier to, to get involved in things that are up here when the ministry is down here in people's lives. Getting involved in sharing life with one another and learning the word, not just for the purposes of study and theory, but learning the word of God so I can know God and I can love others. And it requires a, a lot of effort to keep things simple, you know. It requires a decision. Even as I was praying, just thinking about that battle in the mind and, and, and following through and obeying in this power of the Holy Spirit to take every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You know, for those that have a, a real intense spiritual battle in their lives, that can be exhausting. It can be tiring. Because your mind's just always firing, always firing, always firing, and you're obeying the Lord and you're abiding in Christ, but you're battling all the time. You get tired. So when you get tired, you start making mistakes. You have alternatives and other things in its place. And so we need to know where we came from. We also need to know why we're here. You'll never be able to fulfill God's purpose upon your life unless you know who you are and why you're here. So in our previous study, and that's where we are in, this, in Genesis, learning about God's intention in creation, about his sovereignty and his providence and purposes. We learned in the first three days of creation last time. We learned how the, or the world, the earth was enveloped in darkness, a blanket of heavy mist, thick clouds, dense fog. And we learned on day one in verse three that God said, let there be light. And there was light. And he, God divided the light from the darkness. He called light day and darkness. He called night, verse five, in the evening and the morning were the first day. Then we learn on day two in verse six that God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven and the evening and the morning were the second day. And then we learn on the third day in verse nine that God said, let there be waters under the heavens. Let them be gathered together into one place. Let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called the seas. God said it was good. And then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed. Spent a little time on that one, didn't we? And the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And so it was. And the earth brought forth grass, and the herb that yields seed according to its kind, the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, so evening and the morning were the third day. If you're just joining us in this particular Bible study, we are on our fourth study. We dealt with some of the complexities and questions and issues with Genesis in our previous study. So if you're just picking up here, we dealt with a lot of the argumentation, different theories, not in depth, but enough for you to understand so that you come to our conclusion of a literal creation. We just take the Bible literally, and that's we allow it to say what it says, and we conform ourselves to the Word of God. We don't let the culture dictate to us and change the Bible to fit the culture, and we looked at that all in our previous studies. Let's go to day four now, verse 14. Day four, verse 14. 
Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons for days and years. And let them be, verse 15, for the lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. So God created and distributed now light upon the earth. Literally, verse 14 could be translated light holders that would divide the day and the night. And I like this in verse 14, it says to be for signs and for seasons. And it brought a thought up for me because growing up in Southern California, uh, when it comes to seasons, there, there's really just one seasons, one season and two versions. The season is amazing, excellent weather all the time. Sun is out, it's beautiful and wonderful. The only difference is either it's raining or it's not. You get rain every once in a while, but otherwise most days are beautiful and wonderful. But when you move to somewhere like Colorado, you learn very quickly that what you learn in school about seasons, like there's actually four of them. And in Colorado, you can experience all four in one day. But it's a beautiful thing as you experience them, right? Like every time, as much as we, you know, as much as we, I include you in this, of course, but as much as we complain about the snow... The snow is a reminder of the creative work of God, the seasons. And even looking at the different seasons, I've used them as illustrations before. You know, everybody goes through winter where things seem dormant and dark and lifeless. But, you know, during wintertime, even though things turn brown and, and even not appealing to the eye, everything's happening underground. You don't see it. Everything's going deep during the wintertime. And, and don't you find that in those darker, difficult times in your life, God's going deep on you. Not, maybe no one knows it. They don't see it in you, but you feel it. You feel like you sense it, that God's going deep on you. And you'd rather have that in the springtime, but we're so excited about the springtime. We're so happy things are coming to life that maybe the work of God in the springtime isn't so deep because we're in a place of celebration, in a place of worship, and that's just an exciting time. But there are seasons here, and here is where you have the creation of seasons, also for days and years. You think of the, the earth rotating around the sun, 365 days, 9 hours, and 56 minutes. And it's in this rotation that we have the, the development of the calendars that we use today. So even without verses 14 and 15, we wouldn't have calendars, or we wouldn't have the ability to take time and measure it as this is where God gave it to us. So notice now in verse 16, it says, Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament in the heavens to give light on the earth and, and to rule over the day and to rule over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And we come to the end again of another day, so the evening and the morning were the fourth day. So you have a greater light to rule the day. We know that as the sun. And the lesser light to rule the night, we know that as the moon. Even as it's a reflection of light, it's a light holder. And to me, this is amazing because with the naked eye, it's impossible to tell if the sun is bigger than the moon. I mean, I, I, some of you might be more detail-oriented. You go, no, I can tell exactly. But for most of us, they look about the same size. They're both very big. 
And with the naked eye, as a matter of fact, even most pagan religions determined that the moon was larger and worshipped it in their assessment. Now, the sun is not just bigger. The sun is not just bigger. As you come back to the text here where he says he made two great lights, the greater light. The sun is not just greater. It's not just bigger. It's about six million times bigger than the moon. It's not just greater. So, you know, sort of little. It's six million times greater. And again, we step back and say, how could Moses know this? unless it was revealed to him directly from God. Moses is not writing from personal knowledge, even as many in his day had it wrong. He knows because God revealed it to him. Sometimes you get attacked or made fun of because of your faith, and folks in your life want to put you on the spot and make you explain everything that you believe. And, you know, if you're so smart, you know the Hebrew and the Greek, whatever they use to try to mock you. And your response is like, like I, I can't explain it to you. I just know God revealed it to me. I was reading this scripture, and that's what you're going to do. So I was just reading the Bible, and as I was reading the Bible, I felt like God was speaking to me, and I, this is the conviction of my life from this verse. I want you to hold on to those things that God has given to you. Sure, you may not be able to explain every single little thing to people. You may not be able to, you know, well, you know, I was Googling what you said. You know, you, you don't even, you, you can't even get involved in the argumentation with them but a simple faith of trusting God, what he's revealed to you, connected to his word. Like you're reading in your devos and you just feel like the Lord spoke to you a promise. You hold on to that promise. You cling to it by faith. You write it next to that scripture in in your paper Bible, the day and the year that God gave it to you. You circle it in a different color. You highlight it. You star it. You do what you need to do to remember the promises of God. You're not obligated to explain what the Lord's revealed to you to every single person. Now, again, I'm speaking toward things that can be connected to the Word. I'm not talking about things you made up in your own mind. I'm not talking about things that you're making up to somehow, you know, outside the Bible, extra biblical. I mean those sweet times that God has given you something. You hold on to it. And you trust it. And, and you know, as Peter was saying, people are going to mock and make fun of you. They're going to say you're following fables. But you know of the inward work of God upon your life. You have a personal relationship with Jesus that is developing and growing. And you cling to that. Let the mockers and the scoffers live their lives. You live your life unto the Lord. And I love Moses is writing things down. And he's re- getting the personal revelation from God. The moon itself is a light holder, according to the Hebrew. It receives its light from the sun, and it reflects it back to the earth. And despite its smaller size and borrowed light, the moon's function is essential to the earth. Its value is enormous, as one commentator put it. It gives light at night and controls part of the signs, and it influences the tides of the seas, but The moon is not as gifted, nor does it impact the earth as much as the sun. And yet it still has its place. Which, you know, the Bible says for us not to compare ourselves with one another. It's foolish, you know. That's the Bible. That's a clear indication. So as you begin to compare yourself, you just understand. You may have less influence, but that's how God made you. You're very important in the influence that you have. 
You may have more influence. Well, you're very important. That's how God made you. Here's the thing. Don't compare yourself and they go, well, I wish I had that or I wish I... Just be faithful with what the Lord has given to you. Be faithful. Well, you know, I'm just a moon. Yeah, moon's pretty important. Well, you know, I'm the sun. Yeah, the sun's pretty important. Well, I'm some obscure star in the middle of nowhere. And you are very important to the plan of God. Because it might be in the middle of nowhere to us, but God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly where he has you and what he wants to do in your life. Jot it down in Psalm 19 verse 1. It reflects on this day. The Bible says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and its firmament shows his handiwork. Or Psalm 97 verse 6. The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. So we're talking about the sun right now, S-U-N, but there is another sun, S-O-N, the Son of God. And remember what it says about Jesus, Jesus Christ in John chapter 1, verse 9? Listen to what it says, talking about lights, the sun, the moon, the lesser, the greater. And Jesus, we know, is the Son of God. Listen to what it says in John 1, 9. It says, that was the true light that gives light to every man coming into the world. He's the true light. Everything's pointing from the beginning of creation, pointing back to the Son of God. We find Jesus on every page of scriptures. It's so encouraging. And what are we? What does Jesus say to us? You are the salt and light. And we too are light bearers. It doesn't come from us. We're not creating the light. We are light bearers. We reflect the glory of God in our lives. We reflect his righteousness. And it's amazing. You know, don't be intimidated by this, but be aware of it. People are watching us, looking to us, expecting something from us. And so Jesus says, let your light so shine before men. Let it shine that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Notice in verse 16, it says, He made two great lights and the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And then it just says he made the stars also, which is pretty significant. With the billions upon billions of stars that are found so far, he just says it like, oh yeah, he made the stars too. As many as the sand of the seashore, as many stars. Yeah, that God did that too. And it gives us some perspective. Because in our world today, there's a lot of time and attention. Even within prophecy, uh, those that focus on prophecy, and, and, and they'll spend a lot of time on the stars, a lot of time on the stars. And here's, what, here's what God spends a lot. He made the stars also. And even if you notice in verse 16, uh, the way the Hebrew is translated, you'll notice the words in your New King James. I want you to see this because it's important for the rest of the Bible. When you see the words he made, you see them in italics. Do you see that? They're in italics because these are words that are not in the original language. They're not in the original manuscripts. They have been added to help us in English. If you're reading this in Hebrew, you don't need those two words. But here for us in English, they're necessary. So the comment, when you read through your Bible and you see words, most of the time, sometimes they're in italics because it's a quotation of an Old Testament. In the New Testament, there'll be italics because it's quote, quoting. But most of the time, this is a tool used by the translators to just let you know they're helping you complete an English sentence from the original language. And so you could just say if with three, and he made the lesser light to rule the night, the stars also. 
And that's what the Bible has to say about his creation of the stars. And you say, well, what's so significant about that? Well, it gives us some perspective. And perspective is everything in life. Understanding the bigger picture. The Bible takes close to 50 chapters to discuss the construction and the significance of the tabernacle. As you fast forward where the tabernacle is being built, 50 chapters. This is the place of worship and communion. But he only spends five English words on the creation of the stars. In the New Testament, the Gospels, they have 89 chapters. But 85 of the 89 chapters deal with the last three years of the life of Jesus. Why? Because the Bible is a book of redemption. It gives us insight and a hint of why God has given us his word. Not only is it a revelation of himself, but it's a revelation of his love for us. You might be more interested in the stars than you're interested in the love of God, but that's not how God laid it out. You might be more interested in things that are taking your time and attention again away from the what, what's really, like when you are a master in the love of God, you will grow in your love for God and you'll grow in your love for others. It'll be natural. You won't need to take classes on evangelism because you'll just be talking to people about the Lord. You won't be taking classes on how to engage with people because you'll just be loving God so much that he's going to be leading you and guiding you by, your Holy, by his Holy Spirit. You'll be involved in things you never thought you'd be involved in. You'll be going to places you never thought you'd be going to. Now, we'll provide the classes because we know the classes will help jumpstart you. We'll help you. We're here to serve you and encourage you and equip you for sure. We're here to resource you, provide things for you. But you know, as you grow in God's grace, you grow into the place where, remember what Paul told the Hebrews when we were studying through Hebrews? And he goes, you guys, you're still on the ABCs. We need to move on from the ABCs. We need to start making words and sentences. And some of you, like you've been walking with the Lord so long and you're just stuck on the ABCs. And God says, no, no, I want you to start making words. I want you to start writing sentences. I want you to start writing paragraphs. I want you to live out all the panorama of following Christ. And perspective is important. God's heart in the Bible is redemption. It was nothing for God to create. All he had to do was speak. But to redeem us, he had to die. Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. We're learning all about creation and the God behind it all through a study in Genesis chapter 1. And Pastor Ed, as you were talking about God's creation of the stars, I couldn't help but think of the many in our world that are into astrology and reading their daily horoscope. What does the Bible have to say about that? Is it something Christians should be involved in? Well, the Bible is clear that we are not to be involved in these types of things, Larry. It's not from the Lord. We're to get our knowledge and information not from reading the stars, but from reading the Word of God. I could say a lot, but I think it's important just to leave it at that. Don't be involved in astrology and all these made-up trickeries of men uh, trying to figure out what the stars say about your life. Instead, spend your life getting to know Jesus Christ personally and what He says about your life. Don't be involved in it. Stay away from it. It's not healthy for you. It's not even true. It's just trickery and cunning deceitfulness. Stick to the Word of God. Trust the Lord with your life, and you can live by faith, walking by faith, knowing that God has it all in His hands. 
That is very helpful. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. And friend, if you'd like a replay of today's message on the six literal days of creation, just stop by AboundingGraceRadio.com or look for us wherever you get your podcasts or listen through our app. You can search for that in the App Store or Google Play. Just look for Ed Taylor. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to bringing the truths of God's Word to the radio and Internet every day. But we can't do it alone. We look to our Lord and our listeners to help us provide these daily studies. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, we'll send you a copy of Spiritual Leadership by Oswald Sanders. Some of the featured topics include the art of reproducing leaders, the one indispensable requirement of leadership, and the tests of leadership. Let this classic be your guide for leadership and see how God works through you to do great things for His glory. Request a copy right now by calling us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order it online at calvaryco.store. And then join us next time when we'll have another great study in the Word from Pastor Ed Taylor here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.